back row and chill with Johanna James and Noel Clark on the Foobar Radio. Johanna James, Noel Clark for yes. Foobar Radio. We're with the big show. By the way, did you know I'm number two in the box office right now? Oh, you love tooting that horn, just, don't you? I'm just Give me high so five. You know what? <laughs> if I was number two in the box office, I'd toot my horn yeah, too. Right. I want to know what your next movie project is. I'm represented by APA out in LA, Jeff Witches. Me too. APA. Fantastic. Another one. Um, so Jeff's my agent. We've done some stuff. I've done a couple of readings for Marvel. I don't know if I look anything like the characters, but getting into that Marvel family, you got to get introduced to them. They got, you know, and you know, the more reads you do for more casting directors, the more they get to know you, the more they yeah. get to learn. It's hard because right away you're typecasted. They look at you and, oh, well, you're a big intimidating guy. Well, yeah, but also I can throw down. I can yeah. act. You got to find the right opportunity. I have a TV series that may be coming up this fall that I'm really excited about. There'd be a good opportunity for me. And uh, we're just considering some other projects and seeing what's going on. It's a lot of your talent. It's a lot of who you know and how you meet them and how do you get to know them because they're going to take a risk on you. Because you've got to figure it's a business venture. They're taking a risk on you to pull this character off and enhance the script or enhance this character. There's so many great actors out there that are applying for the same job. It's it's a toss-up. Is it something that a lot of the WWE superstars are, are glad about now where you have not only WWE Studios with Michael Luisi, but you have the fact that a lot of the stars like The Rock and Stone Cold earlier and now John and yourself and well, I, crossing over into movies. I or? think who's really transcending that for us has been Rock. Because yeah. I remember 20 years ago, nobody would talk to you in Hollywood. You know, they just wouldn't do it because yeah. you were a wrestler. They didn't want anything to do with it, and rightly so. Yeah, there was only very few, wasn't there? Like there was very few, the but days. they weren't. You weren't getting involved in any really big projects. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most of the projects that the guys did back then, they had friends and producers that produced a movie for them to do. The difference is now is Rock has really gone out there and paved the way for us in showing our work ethic, our willingness to work with other people, our commitment, which is ingrained by us. I don't think people understand unless you've been around WWE and been backstage and seen the work level that our talent's capable of. We have done that. You know what I mean? And you look at guys like Miz. Okay, now Miz is a smart ass on TV, but Miz is one of the hardest working guys you'll ever meet. Very dedicated, very friendly, never complains about anything. You strap a dump truck to his back and tell him to walk it three blocks. He'll be like, okay, and he'll go do it. That's the kind of work attitude that you know in Hollywood is very important. You need to get along with your co-stars, your fellow actors, your director. Be respectful. Show up on time and work hard. Know your lines. Yeah. Our guys are going to do that. You, know, you see the success that Rock's had. You see the success that Batista's had in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, amazing. Batista knocked yeah. it out of the park. Amazing. And, you know, Dave was one of those guys that made a difficult transition where he was really popular at the time. He was one of the top heels we had, but he felt in his gut, I need to make this transition now. And Dave did it. So, yeah, he started with a couple of small films, and then, you know, he did well in those, and he had a home run with Guardians. Yeah. So when those kind of guys are proven entities that deliver, you're going to look in the same pond maybe for another potential, and it makes it easier to take a risk. That's the boat I'm in now. Yeah, I've been the big show for 20-something years. That's cool. But now I need to go in, sit down, meet with these people, let them know that I'm a human being, that, you know, I've got experiences, and I can give you A to Z, then find the right part they're willing to take a risk on, because it's a risk and investment. I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm black. Okay, so someone talk to me about this, because yeah. I, I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> yeah, right, I know, right? Anyway. And, you are, aren't you? Yeah. Something even more shocking, she's a woman. Right? Really? Yeah. So, oh my God. Actually, i got to be honest with you, I knew that right away. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. My quick being, how do you guys, and, and WWE is great at it, but how do you guys, and what sort of advice do you give to people that have differences? You know, oh, like- diversity? I think anybody that's different that brings a uniqueness. We're all unique in our own way, whether we're black, white, short, tall, fat, skinny. So I guess I'm saying, how do we teach children to embrace that, do you think? We all are different. And you have to embrace 
your differences, embrace your gifts. If anyone puts a limit on you and says you can't do something, you're the one that's making a mistake by listening to them. If you want to be a WWE superstar, there's opportunities here for you to be a superstar. If you want to be part of this program, there's opportunities for everyone. It doesn't matter of ethnicity. We are actively recruiting all over the world from China, Japan, South Africa, Australia, Europe. We want diversity Mm -hmm. because we're a worldwide product. Diversity makes things better. If you have all carbon copy the same thing, it becomes very stale. Mm -hmm. Is life stale? Life's not stale. Diversity is what all the little chemicals and the neurons, electrons, everything bouncing off each other. That's what makes things happen because everything's unique and diverse, and that's what makes the magic happen. And you know, the more diversity you have, the more energy you have flowing the better the project is. Yeah. I think it's good for people because you guys have your Don't Be a Bully, Be a Star campaign. Oh, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's good for listeners and people to hear you say that because obviously like, we know everyone is different, but I think sometimes young people have a hard time. Well, another thing too is, is part of the Be a Star program, they have you know guidelines and building their chapters. But one thing when I talk to the kids about how important it is for them, hey, if somebody's being bullied, step up and help contact a respected adult, a teacher. Yeah. The other thing is too is, is a lot of things we overlook in those bully situations is Yes, the kid being bullied is a victim, but also the child doing the bullying is really crying for help. Yeah. How many times we know in those situations that a bully yeah. is really crying for help? Yeah. There's something going on somewhere. Where, whatever it is, this kid is emotionally acting out because yeah. something is troubling that child because that's not natural human behavior. Yeah. If anything, we're about pulling together and fighting for the underdog and rising above. We fought disease and famine and thousands of years of evolution to get to where we yeah. are. Yeah. So if something's against the norm and there's this bully, then what's going on in this kid's life? What's happening in this kid's life? Yeah. So by telling, you're not getting the bully in trouble. In all actuality, it's situation, you're, like you're helping the bully find out what's wrong. And if you get it early enough, maybe you can correct this young man's path or yeah. young woman's path, yeah. and they go on to a better professional existence. Very good point. I wanted to ask you a little bit about behind the scenes, because we've come I am not walking around in my underwear. It's not happening. Damn it! Damn it! No, you perfect. We often come back after a show. We watch a show. With Mr. Uh, the amazing Mr. Sean Selman. With Mr. Yeah, Sean Selman, yes. And yes. then we luckily get to come back and meet you guys. And But we were like amazed. We're like, it feels just like a film set back mm-hmm. here. You've got roadies and everyone's half in costume and like the family-ness that I can sense. Yeah, it's, it so is that way. Yeah. Are there any kind of like back behind the scenes stories or anything? People ask me all the time, says, oh, do you really like so-and-so? Do you really hate so-and-so? It's like any other job. Do you like everybody you work with? No, but you're professional and you do your job. Yeah, there are going to be heated rivals here and there because we're all competitive. That's going to happen naturally. We're we're competitive individuals. But when you spend the amount of time that we spend together, four or five days a week, 290 days a year all over the world, you got a family. You're going to know when, you know, so-and-so's mad or boyfriend, she's not having a good day. or um, like fine with your brother or sister. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's weird because you can tell when people are, are having troubles and maybe they need a hug or maybe they need to talk or maybe they need to be left alone. Yeah. So, and most all of us are really good. I'm sure you guys are the same way being actors. Your therapy is your work. So when you get into your work, you might be upset, angry, pissed off, sad, depressed. But once you get into your yeah. performance yeah. afterwards, you're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. And I think that's what all of us, we function well at. We're able to take our frustrations, our stresses, and we get to release that energy in a positive way out there in our performance. Yeah. And I'm not talking about yelling or screaming. But just even the fact of performing in front of the fans and giving them that match or that segment, that's the awesome feeling. You can't trade for anything. No. People talk about skydiving. I've never skydived. I'm not insane. I'm not falling out of a perfectly good airplane for nothing. It's not yeah. happening. Tom Cruise hanging on the side of an airplane. Yeah. Good for him. 
I don't have the balls to do it. Not happening. I'm with you, man. How many black people you see get killed by sharks? Uh, no. We don't do that shit. How many black people die on Everest? None. Because we ain't climbing mountains in the cold. Okay, wait <laughs> No, no, LL Cool J stabbed a shark in the eye. Yeah. He, he lived. Back row and chill with no Park and Johanna James on Foobar Radio. A huge welcome to Joe Bannister. Welcome. Hello, welcome. thank you very much. <laughs> that's the hype, man. That's great, yeah. That's a real welcome, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I know, he's just topping me. Yeah. <laughs> I do what I can. Everything I can. I'm not going to bring any more sweets to the studio. Oh, yeah. you know what it is? It's a sugar high. If I'm this gonna, what's yeah, happened. He's going to have down. a crash in a bit. So <laughs> yeah. be like, welcome back. By the end of the show. <laughs> but welcome. So we are here to have a chit chat about Howard's End, yes, which is a period drama on BBC, correct? Which is on my absolute actors hit list to be in a period BBC period drama. Yeah, yeah. So what was that experience like? It was brilliant. I mean, just yeah. Short answer, brilliant. <laughs> it's funny the period drama thing because there is a real temptation when you're in like a stiff collar and tweed, yeah, to not really play a real person anymore and just be like, oh, I'm in a period drama. Hello. Yeah. So our director Hetty was brilliant at going. Please remember that you are a human as well. You're not just a suit and a hat and nice clothes. So yeah. So we do often. You do one take and you go. Okay, you were being period again. Try and be <laughs> a real person, and you try and loosen it up. And right, I think that yeah. comes through that it is quite loose, and people talk over each other, and it's kind of messy rather than being too like oh prim and proper. Kind yeah. Of yeah, everything is yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I think definitely with shows like Downton Abbey and things, there's been a definite revival yeah. of the corset. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. And this is gorgeous to look at as well. Like yeah. I did a degree in costume way back when, oh, so really? I super appreciate anything that's like tailored or yeah. like yeah. So I was just Textured. I was just loving what it looked like, and it reminded me of that like Beatrix Potter kind of because it's set around that time. Around that isn't time, it? yeah, 1905, turn yeah. of the century. Exactly. And what you're saying about, yeah, being like real people, because obviously mm. it's the, the storyline. I mean, do you want to just like, you're probably going to fill in the storyline. Sorry, the storyline. Line. <laughs> it is a difficult one to sum up because it's not like, ah, there's like a bomb in a place and yeah. you've got to solve it. It's, so it's basically about two sisters, the Slagle sisters, who are kind of like liberal, arty, middle class types. And it's about them going through their lives trying to find meaning and love and working out what they're doing. And then there's an upper class family, the Wilcoxes, that I'm part of that are like, stiff upper lip patriarchy shut up yeah. we know what we're doing come on this is all bosh yeah. and then oh, you've yeah, got that's, yeah, that's, bosh that's the best again. word in it yeah. <laughs> they're, they're having like a political argument yeah. in the show and Matthew yeah. McFadden's character keeps going bosh yeah. like, <laughs> so when you disagree with something you just gotta go oh bosh, bosh. Yeah. can we bosh. bring that back as slang yeah totally wow, I was thinking I was so like I yeah wanna, bring it back man yeah. can you imagine bosh. I'm gonna use that in the review show like later on yeah. when we're reviewing something what did you think of that bosh 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 yeah, it's great. So that sums up their family, is the Bosch family, the basically. Bosch family, right. yeah. And then there's the Bast family, who are the kind of lower middle class, working class family. And so these two girls spend their lives trying to kind of only connect is the kind of message of the whole thing that we need to try and understand people who aren't like us, mm. even if they might seem horrible, like the upper class twits that we are. But you need to try and like and reach out and be like, well, what is it about this person? Don't just judge them by their gender or their class. Okay. Mm. And try and understand them. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's kind of the message. That's an it. interesting story to set in that time period as well. I think we've yeah. seen that before, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and because yeah. there's loads going on then. Like, there's about to be a war. They don't know that, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yes. like, they just, it's little did they know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And everything's uncertain. I mean, things are pretty uncertain now. Hopefully not a war Ooh. coming up. <laughs> Let's not get too tight. Let's, <laughs> Let's hope that's not coming. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, but it, so it kind of like relates to now. I think like there's a similar kind Holding of holding like, a mirror oh, up to society. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. With lovely tweed and corsets. Yes, with yeah. beautiful <laughs> costumes. As well. and yeah. How long did it take to film though? What was that like? It's about two and a half months in oh, total. Wow. Two and a half to three months. Where were you guys yeah. filming? All over. That's oh, one of really? the best things oh, about period dumb. drama is you're like so each house is in different parts of the countryside oh, and you go to see all these amazing oh, yeah, grand yeah. houses and like I get to drive a car from 1905, <laughs> which is terrifying because they are nothing like cars now. Wait, was it an actual car? It's a real from car. The, they're yeah. still running from then. It's like so I was wow. terrified because it's worth more than I am because it's yeah. from like, there are many of them. Well, they and, like, made the, them to last back then. So yeah, yeah, exactly. If you crash the car, they'd be like, "Is the car okay? Yeah, exactly. That's around. Is the car okay? Yeah." <laughs> but the gears are like in a different place. The pedals are backwards, so Wait, the accelerator what? and the brake are the other way around. <gasps> oh, shit. who the hell <laughs> changed that? Wow. Why? Can you imagine the year that that changed over? Because <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry. yeah, the great car crash year. Yeah, yeah. I find it weird. I drive to France, and you literally get on the, the Eurotunnel, and then you drive off, and then suddenly everything's on the other side, yeah, and backwards. you've got to like backwards it. It's, yeah. yeah. But always remember, drive on the right in France. I mean, I have Easy. to admit, that's very occasionally, I will just set off and I'll be, for a second, I'll be like, Whoa. just watch other people. What, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, is, uh, which is the right side again? <laughs> so you worked with Hayley Atwell, yes. who's one of the sisters, yeah. and Matthew McFadden. I personally think that he suits that time period. He just, yeah, he's from there, isn't yeah, he? I don't know what it is. He's amazing deep. It's place. the Marks and Spencer's voice. You yeah. know, all those adverts, like, this is not just food. Yeah. It's all of that. Does he actually do Marks and Spencer's? He did, yeah. He did oh, those wow. okay. <laughs> That was him. If not, he definitely should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so silky. Yeah, indeed. it just makes you hungry listening to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but was there any, like, on-set period banter? Yeah, there was. Well, I mean, Haley's loves games, like Heads Up. You know the Heads oh, Up? Oh, yes. Up is dark. Yeah. So we spent most of our time... There's a scene in the second... There's a funeral, and we spend the whole day in our funeral gear in between takes playing Heads Up. <laughs> I think there's a video of it on our Instagram. It's, like, not at all method acting. It's the opposite of method acting, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. But, like, we go on action, really sad. Cut. Okay, so... We're back like, in 21st century <laughs> technology. Yeah, exactly. So then we lost that, and she did prank... Matthew, because they had a running joke about how he becomes more and more babyish throughout as he loses power and stuff. So on the last day, she left a big nappy <laughs> and a giant what pacifier, is it, like pacifier yeah. Yeah, and a milk and a, like little baby's bottle That's in his brilliant. trailer. That's brilliant. Because it helps. Because you're there for so long, yeah, and you're standing around so much. Yeah, you've got to stay safe. So without somehow. that, you just yeah. go mad. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do on set? Do you on I set? play games as well, but yeah. my phone's never like on my person they always take it off me we play like the movie game and that kind of stuff like you go around in a circle saying actors and oh, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the one like yeah, De Niro, De Niro. De Niro. yeah, yeah that's yeah, the yeah, one I yeah. love that game like, I don't know they get well clearly I'm not on enough sets are <laughs> fine rub it in guys <laughs> what's the De Niro game De Niro game do you want to explain it yeah it's, it's like, different so versions, if I started it? I'd say a film and then you'd have to name someone in that film. And then I'd have to name a film that that actor's been in. We could do a quick round. Quick, 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 quick round. Okay. Right? You start. Okay. Make uh, it easy, though. A big one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Love Actually. Oh, damn it. So <laughs> <laughs> make it easy. Go, go. Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Oh, I can't think of any Kira Knightley films. She's doing so many films. Pirates of the Caribbean. Nice. Johnny Depp. Ooh, uh, Willy... No, wait. Willy Wonka? Yeah. I don't know anybody else in that film. I don't know anybody else. So then, as we get, then I get, I get a letter. I get a D, oh. and then we go around. And then if somebody said like a De Niro, then you reset all your. You play it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You reset yeah. all your lives, basically. That's a really it passes fun game. The time. Yeah, it yeah. passes the time <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. People are getting worse at like keeping their own attention span and playing games and stuff. Yeah, it's just straight on your phone. Yeah. 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 Like when we were filming and you had no signal. 
suddenly it was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I had my yeah. phone recently taken away from me for a challenge for 24 hours. They challenged me because I work in social media a lot, and they were yeah. like, can you be without your phone for 24 hours? And it was really hard, and I was so upset really? with myself at how much I wanted Missed to. Missed it. Yeah, yeah, I felt like super left out. I, I wouldn't like. wish that on my worst today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but did you find, by the end, did you find like inner peace? And Well, what I did realise is, that, is what that when you're on your own without your phone, it's super lonely. When you are with other people, or friends without your phone it is so much better right. so you should definitely all chuck your phones away when, when you meet up when yeah. you meet up when you go for drinks do that the table phone thing where like the first person to pick up their phone has to pay for all the drinks for the whole night oh yeah you know? that's, that's good. good that's a pretty good one I never do it but it should be done yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds great back row and chill with Noel Clark and Johanna James on Foobar Radio a huge welcome to Kevin McDonald. Welcome. Hi, Come in. Nice to be here. Two finger clap. So you are the director of Boy. Touching the Void. This is a movie that I made 15 years ago. It was a big commercial hit at the time. It was the first documentary that had made a lot of money at the box office and for a long time held the box office record and it won the BAFTA for Best British Film of the Year and it was a big deal. But one of the things that was nice about it was that it had this fantastic score, a big orchestral score done by a composer called Alex Heffies and the score for a while got used everywhere in commercials and on BBC Nature documentaries and got as well. Anyway, so the score was fantastic and Alex has now organised like a 15th anniversary screening of this film with a live orchestra. Whoever came up with that idea of being able to watch something with the live music from it, what an experience. What a treat. It's an unusual film because it's part drama, part documentary. It's an amazing story. It's actually inspired by or based on a book which was written by this man, Joe Simpson, who this amazing adventure happened to, which the film is about. He and his friend, they were like 20 and 22, and they wanted to be the first to climb a mountain in the Andes called Sula Grande and they set off with this crazy plan we're going to climb this mountain it's defeated everybody else has ever tried to climb it they battled their way up through storms and terrible ice flows and whatever else you get on mountain sides it's about 21,000 feet so it's super high very high altitude and they got to the top and they were the first people ever to get there it took them three days to get up I think turned around to come down and Joe fell and broke his leg <gasps> And his mate, Simon, who was with him, had to decide, you know, am I going to try and get him down? I mean, it's such an incredibly precipitous, difficult mountain. I'm 20 years old. What do I do? Do I leave my friend here or do I take him down? So he tries taking him down, luring him down on a rope. Storm comes in. It's terrible weather. And he lures him over a cliff. And he can't pull him back up. And the rope's not long enough to let him down to where the bottom of the cliff is. And he holds on, he holds on, and eventually takes out a knife. And he cuts the rope on his friend and sends his friend to his death. But, of course, he's not dead. He falls to the bottom of the mountain, miraculously hits some soft snow, goes through into a crevasse that's, like, you know, 100 feet deep, and is sitting at the bottom of this ice cave there, abandoned by his friend. His friend thinks he's dead. And it's the story about that and about how that guy survives. Oh, my goodness me. I literally realised I had my mouth open that whole time. <laughs> that scene where you filmed it, where he's crashing through. At the time, I was very young, and for me, it was very iconic, and it was actually one of the scenes that I was... It engrossed me a lot and actually sort of developed my interest in film a lot, especially the documentary side of things. Mm, mm. But I'd never seen it being switched between sort of the drama and documentary. The realism of it and the themes of, like, trust and friendship and, and you really filled those gaps massively with everything that you need to make it. Uh, well, obviously, you won the BAFTA for it. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, it, it was it, at the time, it was a big risk, actually. It seemed like a big risk because often that thing where you get dramatizations, you get interviewees or you know, yeah. documentary, and then you get drama. 
it never really works. And so I was very nervous about it. But I think we pulled it off. I mean, certainly from the perspective of 15 years ago, it seemed like we pulled it off. The story is fantastic. And it is one of those stories that sort of grips you by the neck Gosh. and doesn't let you go until you get to the end. And if you don't know the story, you're going to be... I mean, that is a predicament. Away. If you're talking about being in a pickle, that is a pickle <laughs> that, of that a situation. A pickle. And I'd be having strong words if that was my mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's just address the whole knife over a cliff rope thing, shall we? Back row and chill with Noel Clark and Johanna James on Foobar Radio. Wow, we had just had the quickest turnaround ever to get a guest on the show. Trust me, the guy is just coming. His heels are burning. There's still smoke coming off the back of his <laughs> trainers. He skidded through. He, he crashed and bowled into the green room. And he's here well on done. football right Chris now. Well Hamby, done, Chris. you're live on the radio. Well done for sweating. making it in, mate. You're sweating. Dripping you, wet. You, no. <laughs> <laughs> I often have that effect on people's. Yeah. <laughs> Background <laughs> Chills is a film and entertainment show. We cover everything entertainment-wise, so whatever yes. is entertaining people. So for people who don't know who you are, Kristen Hamby is a Facebook YouTuber, social media entertainer. Entertainer. Right? You entertain people. And you've just come off the plane, right? That's why yeah, you're running a bit late. That's why you're late. Yeah, you're yeah, off hours, the plane. Yeah, where was you? Jersey. Jersey where? Channel Jer- Islands. It's Jersey. a little island. <laughs> it's close to France. It's a small little island. So I thought you were using like New Jersey, Jersey, New nah, York. Nah, so you was around the corner, yeah, you couldn't yeah, run, yeah, and you come like, New Jersey's <laughs> the fake Jersey. Next well. time, walk. Yeah? Okay. yeah. That's around the corner. I thought you was like proper farming. Alright, we'll have words after. We're going to have words. How did you start? Was it an accident or was it like a pre planned? No, I've always been known for being an idiot, like just being the idiot of the group and that. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to fuck my mum one day. Not like, yeah, I could have worded that you a bit better. <laughs> yeah, I could have. I'm going to teach you a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I could have worded it a bit better, you know. I got a nice call. I got you. So basically, I don't know if you've seen that prank where people just fill a bottle of water up to your mum's look and you just fucking soak her face. That's so how it started. You threw I, water on your mum. Literally, I covered my mum in water, basically. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I put it on my little personal Facebook page and it kind of went a bit. Yeah, okay, right. and I thought, like, oh, I'm onto something here. Yeah. People want more, and then I end up starting throwing dealers at my nan. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Your family loves you. Yeah, right? yeah, start like throwing my sister in bushes. Oh. Yeah, that's the time. It's, so you, just, you throw shit at people. He's yeah. a black sheep <laughs> of the family. Uh, can I just say, like, you terrorise your family, yeah? Do your family actually like you in real life? My nan does. But <laughs> I found out the other day, my sister said to me, my family had a meet-up the other day, and they were just bitching about me. <gasps> my whole family... I'm telling the truth right now. Do you think they're that. doing an intervention? Like, well, they were just like... saying they're worried for me, they just hate me. But my nan apparently was the only one that stuck up for me. So I only like my nan now. Do you know know? what, yeah, bro? I'll adopt you in it, yeah. Like I've always thought like when I get older, yeah, like I want to adopt a little white boy in it, yeah. (laughs) So you can be my son, bro. You can sleep underneath my trailer cupboard. I think what your family needs to realise is that actually if you get with the times and what is entertaining for the majority of the youth nowadays, and it is prank, there's a huge prank sort of like wave going on right now. It's one of the most entertaining, one of the most viewed things on the internet is to prank. I mean, I was up for a prank younger but now they go extreme yeah but what worries me is how far is too far because sometimes I think death mm. death yeah death is literally <laughs> if you don't, don't die it's all cool do you know what I'm saying are you like, sure death is, is the, literally where it kind of goes but over do you life. know what do you 
you think like but look how this has had an effect on your family do you not think that you could maybe do something for them because essentially they have helped you get popular oh for sure right for sure, so yeah, you yeah. owe them something do you not feel you owe them something have you could not take them on an outing take them for <laughs> tea could you not take instead of throwing a dildo at your mum maybe go to take it to the park and play catch they don't trust going out the house with me so it's kind Is of a it? hard situation well you need to do something where maybe you're not even at the event or yeah, whatever you kind of do something but you need to think about this and repair your family <laughs> relationship if not I will adopt you look I've got the papers right here yeah, I'll sign them right now I heard about I will it. sign them right sign now them. but all I said you prank me I'm a break oh, you with a belt uh, man, you're going to get whipped with dildos and all sorts of <laughs> you get we'll, we'll right back with the belt okay we'll talk about the adoption papers later come on it sounds like a kinky family yeah, just just so how long have you been online is it did something that happened just like kind of overnight or have you been building it January the 6th last year so a the year the exact date a year shut up January yeah. the 6th last year January the 6th last year but I'm just sorry this dildo thing is playing in my mind you can't beat your family member with a dildo, bro. Do you not feel just like it's a bit bad? No, no, I, mean, I think it's funny, man. Like, was it your dildo? No, I, I was it, yeah. Was it yeah. I, I, I ordered it for my first oh, ever video, okay? I'm going to tell you, it's okay. Hey, it's been used, yeah, yes? Not on me. <laughs> not on me, I'm... Can you chuck a used dildo? Yes! Oh, my God, Which no, no! no. Oh, oh, no. But no, I, I, bought it, it. I bought it for my first of a video, and it wasn't what even porn a video. No, it wasn't even a prank video. It was some little like porno. Yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> it was some little twenty-second joke video that went on that lab bible and stuff. It went pretty big, and that's when I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to keep using this dildo. It got used in more ways than one. And oh, that, good. That was, that, yeah. It's a multi-tool. Now, now, now people, the girls want to meet you. But can you bring the dildo? The dildo. The dildo. You need to get dildo T-shirts, man. <laughs> you could start like, you know what? Yeah, that singer Honey or whatever her name is, uh-huh. Lolly or whatever. Uh, no, 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 no. She's on Housewives of Atlanta. She was a singer-songwriter, but she also has her own sex company. This is how she then made her money. Because not from songwriting, but from selling sex toys and stuff like that. So there's money in sex toys. You know, when, when you adopt me, you know. <laughs> if people want to see all these weird yes. videos, where should they go? My Facebook page is Kristen Hamby. Maybe spell your first name. Because I, I did call you Christian for a while. So, Kristen. K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Handy, H-A-N-B-Y. How many views have you got on there? What would you say? I've got quite a few. you got a couple mil? got a couple hundred million, I'd say. On my hundred million? I would say. Okay. Wow. Are you going to come back? I'm going to come back. Well, we're going to invite please you please back. back. Can you bring the dildo? Back row and chill with No Park and Johanna James on Foobar Radio. A huge welcome to Leo Suter and Jordan Waller. Hello, hello. Welcome hello. to the programme. You gentlemen are from the ITV show Victoria, which my mum is going to wee her pants a little bit because <laughs> she loves this show. She watched it with my brother, my 20-year-old brother. All the generations. Also loved um, it. So, Cater's, exactly. If anyone's a bit like, mm, well, Victoria, maybe it's a lady programme. No. A lady programme. My <laughs> brother loves it. How did you guys... Get involved. I play an extra oh. in the first series and then I got sort of big duck. Oh, see, it does happen. It does happen. No, again. I wasn't sorry, I wasn't actually an extra, I was being uh, self deprecating. But, oh, uh, oh, okay. but <laughs> <laughs> all those sporting artists out there. Yeah, yeah. All those extras. There is, there is <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm new to the show. So I auditioned and then I, I got the part. And what was the audition process like? Quite interesting. I was in LA at the time, so I sent a tape in early morning, sort of six in the morning because of the time differences. And then four hours later, I got the call saying, 
come back there's a read through on Tuesday oh. and you'll be filming on Thursday so I oh. got on the plane home. Well, that is, they often cast things like really last minute I know. I've seen that with yeah. movies terribly annoying I've seen production starts in three days and there's it's just nuts. There's and it gives no... you such little time to yeah. prepare or know what, yeah. what you're so getting yourself in for well done for diving in there and how was your audition dive. process I auditioned last year obviously I spent most of the audition on my knees I I, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, which, is, which is how I get all of my roles and um <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, and I just came from an audition with a casting director called Susie Paris, who is a lovely, lovely, lovely yes. woman, and I hope she gives me more roles in the future. Me too, Susie. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Susie. Hi. <laughs> I had one read through and then was offered the part afterwards. Brilliant. Oh my God, that's nice. Wow. Swift and, swift yeah. and snappy. Yeah. Swift and snappy. Swift and snappy. And how is it? Because obviously, Victoria's set in the Victorian times. How easy is it to sort of transition into? Do you find yourself doing kind of like standing in like modern ways or wanting to do a dab or something? Like, okay. <laughs> I've avoided that temptation so far. The, the sets really help. They're amazing. Okay. The costumes are incredible. The team around the show really do a great job in making you feel like you're in 1840s. That's amazing. That is my dream. I've wanted to do period drama. So much. I know. You, I remember you saying that. Give actually. me a corset and a sword, and I'm away. Yes. You definitely. wouldn't actually want to have a corset. They really They're dig rough. into they your They dig breasts. into your. Oh. They're really tough to wear. We both wore one on set just to feel you know, just kinship with the women. It's really tough. It, it really sort of makes you stand upright, which is part of the reason that it's yes. used to get into character. Mm. I have fainted in one before. Have you? I was a model for a friend who was making one for her degree, and she was trying to get my waist right down. I literally did a Kira Knightley. I went. I can't breathe. And I <laughs> fell back. Oh, my God. Smacked my head on a something. <laughs> and I nearly Shit. died, but I'm here in the end of the day. Oh, so thank God. And That's the main thing. And it didn't scare me. You've already got such a little waist. I mean, oh, it's mad. Thank you. That was a pleasure. But I know they were trying to get me right down to, I don't know, whatever, 21 or something like ridiculous. So. It's ridiculous. And they had to wear them when they were, like, pregnant as well. And you no just think, way. How on earth do they yeah. do it? The babies would have come out smush. Yeah, exactly. No. exactly. All kinds of weird shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Victoria is pregnant for much of our mm. series wearing a corset, as she would have done. How is it working with Jenna Coleman? Because she's a little bit of a superstar. She is a little bit. No, she's lovely. She's very down-to-earth. Is she super busy? Very, very good. She's tiny. She's tiny. She's a pocket actress yeah. she's absolutely Ooh. but she's absolutely amazing it's amazing when, when she talks to you it's just like oh my god your you ass clenches and you start you like sweating because like, oh my god she's got so much authority yeah in such a little body mm. i love that they're bringing the story of queen victoria because you kind of you learn about queen victoria when you're in school but i always pictured her as the old queen victoria like the old sad yeah fat queen victoria yeah, yeah. Really. No, we're so, early days then yeah the early 20s and <laughs> that's figuring out Jenna will soon Jenna. become Judy Dench. Imagine the prosthetics. Back row and chill with Noel Clark and Johanna James on Fubar Radio. I'm joined today by director Olivier Assayas, and we're going to be talking about his new movie, Personal Shopper, which stars Christian Stewart. So if you could just tell us a little bit about the movie, how it came about. When you write film, it's like when you write a novel, you know, you start small. You, <laughs> you, you start from a, a character, an image, whatever, you know, and it kind of grows into a fully-bloomed story. So I think here it was pretty much the character 
of mm. Maureen. I had both the character, meaning a young girl in Paris, foreigner. She has no friends there. She has no roots there. She's there because that's where her brother used to live and her brother just died. And she, just to make a living, she has to do a very stupid job, which involves just, you know, carrying Personal bags shopping. from point A to point B, really, you know. So the premise of the story, for anyone who hasn't, is there's a young girl in Paris and her brother dies. She's also a, a medium, isn't she? So she can... Well, she's trying to contact the other side. Yeah, she, she's a medium, but she's not too sure about that. She has her doubts. It's yeah. like it's, mo- it's mostly her brother who was into that. Because, you know, they made this oath, like they all have some heart problems. They both have mm. heart problems. So they, they knew they were not going to live Very too long. long. Yeah. So they, they made a promise that uh, the, the, the first one who goes would try to get in touch with the other. But he was really the one who... Mm. believed in that stuff and she's left and she has made the doubts she's not so sure she will get a sign <laughs> and so is it a French film it's the best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds yeah. <laughs> in a sense that you know I suppose that for the French we are foreign film because we are uh, we are an English speaking film mm-hmm. so in that sense we don't get any subsidies or help from oh, France okay. for the rest of the world we're basically an indie French film so yeah. we don't get that much yeah, financing because <laughs> <So>, <laughs> I heard about Kristen was doing sort of a French film I thought oh is she going to speak French is it going to be half and half I love it when we sort of pair with France and do half and half films it's brilliant mm-hmm. just about the casting as well because mm-hmm. you've got some fantastic actors in there. Was Kristen always in mind? Yeah, Kristen was, I suppose, part of the inspiration for the film. I mean, I had just worked with her, and if I was telling the story of a young American girl, you know, my point of reference would, would have, be would her. Have yeah. To be her, you know. <laughs> so it's it's written for her, and I think, you know, it's a movie where she's really pretty much center stage. I think that her artistic input is vital mm. in this film. I, I think there's a lot of whatever this film is that owes to, to Kristen. The storytelling of this mm. film, it was re- but probably the most unusual film I've mm. seen this year in terms of, I couldn't see where it was going to go and mm. it, it felt like almost sort of two or three different styles of film mm. all wrapped up together. Yeah. The sort of supernatural side, mm. I was like, is it a horror thriller? Mm-hmm. Then it turned into more of a, a drama with Christian, mm-hmm. the mystery guy on the phone. Mm-hmm. So it kept sort of shifting. It's both part of the fun when you're writing, mm-hmm. and it's hopefully also part of the fun when you're watching the film. I think that you know this ultimately could be is a character study. It's a coming of age story, and it can be told in a million ways. Yeah, we know we follow someone going through some kind of major crisis in her life. I think there are ways to share that with an audience and try to make the film fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the sense that, you know, it twists and turns in, we- in, in weird ways. But uh, the idea is to keep you constantly surprised. I think that's what storytelling is about. And I'm getting also bored with both as a writer and as a viewer mm. with movies that kind of follow, you know, like by the dots. Uh, yeah, the genre, same. Genre making, you know, so you're safe, you know where, you know, it's, it's getting a pretty dull cinematic experience. You film in location on Paris yeah. and also in London because I saw that you got the Eurostar and that's a journey that I've made many, many times. Mm-hmm. Logistically, how was it easy to film on the no, Eurostar? No, was no, it no, it was not. When I wrote the scene, I said, oh, this is really simple. But yeah, then it turned the into a nightmare, really. I mean, it was unbelievably complicated because basically you're not allowed to shoot on the on the Eurostar. So we ended up locating an old Eurostar carriage <gasps> that was parked some I, I'm not sure where in France. Yeah. We ended up of course not being no, no, we were not able to shoot on a on moving train. We ah, were shooting on okay. a on a train in a parking and yeah. in a garage. So that was not 
easy. That was very difficult, actually. Then we had, you know, to, to go through special effects to insert uh, whatever is going on in the, on the other side of the windows. Yeah, yeah. Then we were not allowed to shoot in the French Eurostar oh, zone yeah, yeah. In, the, in the Gare du Nord. They allowed us to shoot in London. So we could not shoot the French lounge and we ended up shooting both lounges <laughs> because, you know, she, she travels. Yeah, from sure. and so she stops in the Paris lounge and, then she, and on the way back she's in the, the London lounge. But ultimately it's the two, dif it's two different levels of the, the London lounge. <laughs> the same lounge. Some stuff we absolutely had no access to, meaning like yeah. when, when she boards the train in Paris, we, we, had, we were not allowed access, but we were, we were allowed access in London. Both on the British and French side, we were not allowed to film the passport control. So we had to recreate that in the Czech Republic. So I don't know, you know, the, this whole thing that, that looked <laughs> very simple and fluid yeah, was just was a nightmare to make. Wow, that's amazing. Because I remember just seeing, I'm like, oh, they're filming on the Eurostar. I had no idea that you could film on the Eurostar. Yeah, so you actually can't, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. You pieced it together yeah, really, yeah. really, really well. How did you start out for any young filmmakers out there who want to know how to well, get involved? I, I didn't go through film school. For some reason, I, uh, I hated school. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and uh, when I started making films, it's kind of interesting because when I started making films, which is maybe a long time ago, but ultimately not that long, yeah. filmmaking was not for brilliant students. It was, it was yeah. for the more artistic, more confused and messy ones, you know? And uh, now it's become the opposite. Now it's like the best students want to become filmmakers or something yeah. like that. I don't know how it is in England, but that's the way it is in France. I studied literature. I studied painting because I was uh, more of a draftsman painter. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. I approached filmmaking by working as a trainee, you know, on, on production, on various production. I, mean, I did whatever stupid job I could get, you know, <laughs> you know if I, so I can relate to, to Kristen being a personal shopper in, <laughs> in my film because, I, you know, when you're very young and, and you want to get into whatever attracts you, 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 do, you do silly jobs. I worked a lot in England as a trainee in the editing rooms for Superman, which was a, an interesting job. Oh, wow. A weird, interesting job. I work also as a third assistant on a, you know, on, yeah. on a couple of uh, English-American movies shot in Europe. I was an assistant editor. I, but then I basically started making my own short films. Yeah. And, which is also specific, I suppose, to French culture, I wrote about filmmaking in the magazine Cahiers du Cinéma, which was the Nouvelle Vague uh, historical magazine. Okay. And, and I think that I learned a lot there. I mean, that was my film school. Back row and chill with Noel Clark and Johanna James on Fubar Radio. Oh my gosh, Noel, leave that chair No, do you know what? We're going to fall up. We're legit going to fall up. Would you like to stop chairs with me? Alex, how you doing, bro? What's up? How's it going? Alex Hobbin, welcome your It's actually Hobbin. Dude, Hobbin, I have this problem every day of my life. Out. Seriously, we are going to fall out. Me and you, or you in the chair? chair? Me in this chair. And these guys, because I know oh, they right. do it on purpose. You Stop guys start. Stop it with mine. I'll have a broken one. Yeah, from now on. Is what we're gonna... Yes. There's yes. A, there's a chair here yes. as well if you there need. There we go. Yes. Thank you, sir. From you... now on, what we're going to do every week when I come in, every week when I come in, what we're going to do is I'm going to swap chairs with Diana so you lot are not going to mug me up every week. Baptism so, of fire here. Alex yeah. Hoban. Yes, that's oh, it. This is a good no. chair. Ever since I've been a kid growing up, it's either been spelled H-O-L-B-O-R-N, like Holborn, Holborn, on the central line. What a joke, by the way. What a fucking joke, mate. Or H-O-B-U-R-N, back of all my football shirts, but... No one sees it but exactly. the fans. Well, however you spell your name, your name is <laughs> pretty famo on the internet right now, because you started up exactly like myself. You started to make <clears throat> comedy content online, and it kind of just took off. That's it, yeah. I mean, 
took inspiration from people like yourself, being in the game for a long time now. I just thought <laughs> I'd create, yeah, I create some, create some relation, too, relationship situations. Well, it started out as myself, and then I realised I need someone to bounce off. Got my girlfriend Millie involved. Shout out to Millie, by the Shout way. Out to Millie. Um, Millie is beautiful. She's like the fittest thing. Thank you very much. Above your weight, bro. Yeah, just a bit, actually. Every comment on every video oh, is there. It's there. To Top comments as well. She's gorgeous. Millie JL on Instagram. Millie JL on That's Instagram. That's the one. Millie Logan, yeah? That's the one. Woo! I know, right? Bro! Give me some old man advice, boy. Get your claws in and don't let go. <laughs> I'll do my best, mate. I'll get do my best. Get your claws in and don't let go, man. You just, when she walks, <laughs> get dragged behind like a motherfucker, but keep holding strong. I don't know strong, what happens man. already, but and yeah. Use that goalkeeping shit that you got and just grip and don't <laughs> let go, man. That's it. But yeah, so just started that out and then did a video on jerk chicken. Oh, yeah. When your white friend tries jerk chicken right. for the first time, and that was where it really started. That's where it kind of blew up, and from there it's just a lot right. of momentum okay. and trying to carry it. Great premiere, by the way. Awards. Alex was the Brotherhood premiere. Yeah, you had the Brotherhood. I was. Premier. I was. I, it was, mate, spot on. Your speech you, at the beginning was great. I don't even remember what I said, but thank you. <laughs> Neither do I, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and the after party as well. I was in the toilet. Somebody comes and stands next to me. Absolute. I can tell, very tall guy. You know, you, you're in the urinal and you don't want to do that turn because then yeah. you're that guy, right? Yeah. Well, lucky I didn't. And, and with him, if you had turned, you would have been that guy because he. I That's know who you're it. talking about. Yeah. And he's about eight foot, and you would have been right at penis level. That's it, Stormzy. <laughs> Oh, was there. Yeah, I was there and I was just like freaking out. Of course, you don't want to see that. That's it. I was like, I don't want to be put in shame for the rest of my life. <laughs> Stormzy was there. And then I thought about battling him, battle bars in the toilet again. Yeah, but I man. thought he could do whatever to me yeah, there. Yeah. There's no one watching. That's the problem. He would just finish you with exactly. the Exactly. In exactly. the lineup to the film, we all, got, all the cast members came out and I was next to Stormzy. And yeah, he is tall. I was in big heels. He was even taller. He blessed him. He was standing on. I had like a long train on my gown. And we're like trying to then. I was trying to get his attention for ages, but he was, I think he was a bit just like sort of. He's a ledge. Overwhelmed. He's a ledge, big storms. And I was just like, excuse me, is that Mr. Storms? You're on my train. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, same, same with me. It's proper. It's just like well, we deer in like, headlights. Back to the online content, because yes, yeah. what inspired you to start doing it, apart from myself, obviously? Mixture of things, basically, is. Shall I just leave so you two can suck each other off? I've worked in content for a while now, worked for a few Facebook pages, worked for Unilad at the moment, and I've seen people evolve and develop content, and I thought, I'd like to have a go at that, yeah. and I'm quite passionate about making videos anyway. I used to do it sort of for extreme sports, came in, and I've started seeing people do comedy content, and then Millie gave me the inspiration. She's like, get a camera, do it. Yeah, claws <laughs> creeping on. Man. Can I just ask quickly before you carry on, yeah. when you say, oh, i quite like to have a go at that, was it like that? That seems like, or was it like, I can do better videos than this? A bit of both. I saw some of the videos, and I thought, I can yeah. one up them. That was my approach at first, and then it just developed into like a real passion. Yeah. And then it just kept coming, and the ideas keep coming. I basically take whatever winds me up about day to day life and put it into a video yeah. or something relatable. Yeah. So, what advice would you guys? Because remember, this show is all about the listeners. And mm -hmm. what advice would you guys give to? You know, we talk about acting and stuff a lot of the time. What advice would you guys give to young people that are out there on the, you know, wanting to make their own content and do YouTube sketchy stuff like yeah. you guys do? Yeah. First thing is, I would say, get a camera, and you don't have to spend a lot. Alex was the one that introduced me to the camera that I bought, and it was just a couple of hundred quid. Yeah, two hundred and fifty pounds or three hundred pounds for the basic it. camera. Even on your phone, there's people that are killing it. And then, on, on and just, then edit yeah. on iMovie or whatever. Exactly, yeah. you yeah, can do the whole basic. thing on your phone. But the first thing you've got to do is do it. That was just the biggest step for me. To make a page, you feel like an absolute idiot. You make a Facebook page about yourself, yeah. which is like, oh, what is this? And then slowly, people start and encouraging people to like like it. First, it's just your friends, and then it's friends of friends, and then it's just randomers. I learned to edit. Um, I kind of self-taught myself using YouTube tutorials. Do that like basic, like I said, iMovie. I started off on iMovie. 
movie mm. and then eventually went up to premiere and and then kind of just got to do something that you were really great at which was just introducing yourself to self promotion like, yeah like, reach out because everyone's really cool. very different like we have like for example we have a facebook page but you don't go to people hey come on to my page yeah. you just have to chill it's there yeah. and you just let people find it whereas yeah. your thing is you need the people to come you have to self-promote yourself yeah. i'm not sure what it was like sort of a few years ago but for me the way i see it now is that if you want to be an actor or you're an aspiring actor you've basically got a showreel from your facebook page if you create content on there so make videos get creating and then you can go in somewhere and go to someone like yourself and be like this is what i've done yeah. this is how i act and it's there already and if it's a passion of yours you're going to get people liking it you're going to get people's feedback on it as yeah. well from that social platform so use that to push your acting side as and well one thing that i was going to say because a lot of people they assume like youtubers that you're just making like loads and loads of money off our videos actually yeah. there isn't money a lot of time to be made so it has to be a passion project and it will take up all your time amazing how much time goes into 50 second video do you immediately spend your weekends making videos and stuff as well or um, do you get time to chill out or what? so it's actually gone one step further than that we've now started making vlogs mm. of so then you've got to push yourself to go out and do something <laughs> yeah. to make it interesting for the audience yeah. as well yeah. and i've seen we've both been making vlogs johanna's on it as well yeah. youtube and facebook are two very different beasts so what's the vlogs for youtube yeah, yeah longer content people buy into your personality much more whereas yeah. now i see like there's a girl that used to work for someone i know this tanya burr Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She can do anything. She can go up and go, oh, I'm going to sneeze and sneeze. And there's like 10 million views. And, <laughs> yes. and she, she has a book about it. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But, then but once people buy into a personality, like literally there are some guys who just go to the supermarket and go, what should I get go today? around. Oh, I'm in the supermarket. What should I buy? Yeah, yeah. And the then they call, hello, well, ha, ha. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's not funny, is it? Yeah. And, and, and they both so have followers. their difficulties as well. Like on Facebook, we call it stopping the scroll. So yeah, as you're scrolling through the content, you because it's, so it's, cause it's a feed, whereas on YouTube, you're going to actually look at someone in, in mm. particular. Yeah, you type them. Yeah, type them in. So two separate disciplines for you guys. Yeah, yeah. the content has to be a lot different as well. You've got three seconds to get someone's attention on Facebook. That's it. No longer than a minute 30. So ideally under a minute for the whole story of your joke, which is just like, oh my God. You uh, cut out a lot. Well, you taught me that as well. It's to cut out so much time. There's so much, yeah. cut, cut, so cut. many shots where you're just, you don't realize it, but there's actually a lot of spare time, even if it's just a split second, because at the end it all adds up and you can cut sort of It's your, kind of like a mini version of what you do in the edit when you're editing a whole movie. Mm. How much did you edit out of Brotherhood? An hour. An hour? Yeah, when we, the rough assembly of the film was two hours, 40 minutes. Whoa. And so do you have a director's cut? No, no. The director's cut is what you saw. Oh, okay. Because I did the, you know, I was there every day and we did the cut. Mm -hmm. But the rough assembly when you put it together was two hours 40 and the film ended up being one hour 40. I mean, there's whole segments that are out of that film that the audience will never know about. Yeah, the storylines, sub-storylines that yeah. kind of got cut and... Crazy. It's crazy to think that you've had to watch that many times. Yeah, you watch it like cut. from day one, you watch it like 80 times and you get to the it's end, mental. start again, get to the end, start again. And each time you're cutting minutes and minutes and minutes. And by the end, by the last day, you're cutting seconds, seconds. But actually, on the last day, we did cut five minutes. Wow. One of the bosses of Lionsgate was like, I think you should take that segment out and just move something there. And I was like, oh. we had a look at it back in the edit. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And we just chopped five minutes out on the last day. Because we had a chat, actually, when we were shooting our video together about that song at the beginning of Brotherhood. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Which one? The uh, one or the... Uh, no. The slow one. Slow one. Uh, yeah, regularly. Jamie regularly, Jones. yeah. I was like, I love that song. It's so good. What is it? And Jana was like, don't even ask me about that song. We listened <laughs> yeah. to it 50 times. 50 times, yeah. On around, set. Around all yeah, all and then you must have heard it, it so many more times. It's very catchy. I find myself later on being like... Do you know what? 
I'm not, I can still play it. I'm not bored of it. Oh, really? Yeah, I like it. It's a good song. I listen to it quite a lot. I tend to roll back to the Brotherhood soundtrack. It's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, we've got a quick email in. Hey, Noel, would you ever consider making a film in the US with an all-American cast? I'd like you to work with Michael Shannon from Martha. Martha, you sexy beast. I would love to do an American film. And I've got plans, girl. And you know when I have plans, you know, I don't really talk about them, but I get them done. But there are plans afoot and things are happening. And Michael Shannon, yeah, he is an absolutely brilliant yeah. actor. So 100% I'd love to Legend. do that. And how's your American accent? Great. Did you hear it? Is that who that was? <laughs> great. 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 American accent? <laughs> no, not really. Not, not American. Can I, you do an American accent? I can, yeah. Is yours great? Bring up your audition tape for that. Oh, show. yes. Oh, I do audition in a... Don't you not have that? You do have that? it. Well, just back. carries it around all the time. <laughs> just to show off the pitch to people. Did you have to put an American accent on? I she did. did. Oh, I did. how was it? It was okay, apparently. Out of 10, no? Well, I mean... Wow, um, I mean. Well, <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? One of, the fir- one of the first things I ever did when I ever met you on a film set, Noel, is you said, "What accents can you do?" And I was like, "I don't know." And then I remember I came up to you and I spoke in a southern accent. Did, what did I go? And you went, "That's pretty good." Because I was South England accent. No, no, southern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Southern, southern Wales. Like, southern England, yeah, the south of England. Well, hey there, Brixton. Shout out to Brixton, where I'm from. I don't know what I said, but I did something of the sort of like the southern Vale kind of thing, and you were like. Oh, that's all right then. Good, that's good. Do it again. Was that it there? Okay, give me a sentence to say and I'll say <laughs> no, it. I'm something. joking. That was good. That was good. Say, I'm going to the diner to get some brisket. Good one. Well, okay. Um, In your Texas Bell accent. Texas, Texas Bell. Well, um, Southern Bell. I'm going to go to the diner to get some brisket. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> it was more Alabama than Texas. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll go on to my Texas accent. Back row and chill with Noel Clark and Johanna James on Fubar Radio. Viola Davis, let's hear Viola it. Davis, here we go. The movie's obviously based on a play, which mm-hmm. I didn't realise before I went in, but I worked out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, this is interesting. It's all based around the one house in the... Mm-hmm. In making that, did you film it like a play? Did you do it in linear order, or what was the process in... We did it sequentially, so that was really important. Otherwise, it would have been just too much. The first scene is 33 pages. There were 11-page monologues, four-page monologues. There was a lot of times that one set. I shouldn't call it a set. It was an actual house on the Hill District. It helped us a lot because, see, the thing about August Wilson is all of his plays take place in tight confines of a backyard because it's metaphorical towards us being roped in by a culture, roped in by circumstances, and wanting to bust out and be a big man and make our lives worth something. So it would not have worked if we had different sets, like shooting in, I don't know, just some big department store somewhere or out on the street. The backyard became another character. I want to just really hone in on your performance because I was in tears in this like <laughs> this screening when it, to the point where you're trying to keep it in but I couldn't what was your process just from an actor's point of view how did you get to that intensity besides breathing and all of that it's all the boring acting stuff that no one wants to really hear about in terms of doing bios and creating Rose when you're first introduced to Rose and she's coming out and she's crocheting and what you see is a woman even with her hair gray, her apron, her wide hips, someone who's very much middle-aged, always cooking, always in the kitchen, always offering someone food, always saying, come, come into my heart, come into my life, because that's my only purpose. That's it. 
1957. It was very important for me to create that specific character so that by the time Troy gives me the news, I can't prepare that because it's a surprise. I couldn't sit and go, okay, I'm going to play that character in the big yeah. monologue. I'm going to play her first. So I'm going to come out mad, pissed off, all of that. I had to create the joy. I had to create the investment of love and that investment of 18 years. So by the time it's taken away, it's totally. there. And I was so surprised at how it set the 50s culture so strong. And it's so shocking. It's so close to us nowadays, but so backwards and I've, you just absolutely my heart broke for your character absolutely but also how relevant any woman being told that 50 years ago 100 years ago or tomorrow it's the same raw and you just absolutely nailed it so that's why it really upset me and probably anyone who could ever mm -hmm. had their heart broken i was like oh. absolutely and just quickly to round off with the golden globes what was that like personally being there and was it all a blur did you black out <laughs> was it like it's never a blur anymore I, okay. I try not to make it a blur because i try to remember it at 51 it becomes very important for you to remember every moment of mm -hmm. your life it really does. You'll see. <laughs> it was very important for me. Meryl Streep said, I will be at your Walk of Fame ceremony and introduce you if you give me the Cecil B. DeMille Award. I did not see it as a fair trade, but I wanted to honor her in introducing her. I wanted to honor her, how much she contributed to me and every artist out there. Because you know what? Here's the thing about acting. It is not rocket science. But it is an art form, and it's an important one in a world where people walk around blissfully unaware of themselves and others. And we can't do that. We expose. And she does it so beautifully. I wanted to honor her. I just felt like I was awake for the whole thing. I was, metaphorically, I was awake, and I had a fabulous time. Back row and chill with Noel Clark and Johanna James on Foobar Radio. A huge welcome to Clifford Samuel, Hello. actor and thespian. Hi, hi everyone. Welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. Well, we were just having a little chit-chat. Clifford just dropped the bomb that he has just worked at the Globe. Casual. The very Globe that is the fake Globe. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fake, yes it is the fake Globe, yeah, yeah, on the waterfront. Of the waterfront fake Globe. What were you doing at the Globe? I was doing a play called Boudicca, it's a new writing, but it's based on the female Warrior Princess, played by the lovely Gina McKee. It was a blast. Boudicca or Bodicea. Bodicea, as, yeah. As a lot of people like, oh, is it Boudicca, Bodicea? Yeah. I, don't know. I was told not to say it in my audition, not to say Bodicea, because oh. that's the Latin. And you have to do oh. the British version, which is Boudicca. Oh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been speaking Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah, Bodicea. Uh, that was the first thing I ever learned about in history at school, ever. Oh, really? I remember sitting down in history when I first went to school, and they taught me about this like amazing woman fucking warrior lady yeah. and I was just like yes yes there's a statue of her outside Westminster there is like I'm totally Carrier. missing out on knowledge here. oh my gosh she was like this like kind of pre-viking dark age mm. queen and she like led armies into battle and stuff she was like with ginger hair and well I'm assuming this is what <laughs> happens when you only do sissy geography and you miss out yeah uh, no oh. the history is all about history up. but it got a bit dark at the end because basically like the Romans capture her and like rape her daughters oh and stuff. great mm. casual yeah so, you that know, was the beginning that was the beginning of the play and then, yeah and that's and then the revenge starts oh because Rome oh. occupied Rome's occupying Britain and then she fought back now Clifford why well, I, I want to mention McMafia, which is the yeah. BBC TV show that you are part of at the moment. Yeah. And it all kicked off in the new year, which apparently I missed because I was obviously not, I don't even know where it was. But yeah, where I were you? New Year's Day. 
Yeah, it was New, New Year's, Year's Day, Day and nine I was o'clock. asleep. Probably. That just wasn't the one for me because I was, I don't know, I was still thinking it was 2017 and I don't know. Yeah, or uh, not even pizza, takeaway, no. Do, I just do, can't remember. Like, that's just like a blackout that day. What did I do? <laughs> I was asleep. But I'm so sorry, I missed it. So how did you get involved with that? You play Femi, who is the boyfriend of... So anyone who doesn't know what McMafia is about, it's about a Russian mafia powerhouse family. Yes. And you were the, the new boyfriend um, of the, the daughter. What, new, new, no, not... Well, boyfriend, but I the don't boyfriend. know how new. They're long-term... Or some people say partner, because we've been oh. together for a long time. Oh, the par- oh yeah. Wait, yeah. What, how long before you actually become a partner? Good I, question. I, I, yeah, I know. Because I mean, I've been going out with someone for two months now. Is it appropriate that I call him I my partner? That's your boyfriend. <laughs> okay. Or girlfriend. Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying, oh, it depends. Once you're boyfriend. living together, maybe? That's that's what I was going to yeah. say. Well, who says you can't? But I use that as my partner now. Maybe when I introduce him next time, I'll just say, hi, this is my life partner. And let's see, <laughs> see how much he dies. Yeah. <laughs> People always get confused with, like, business partners, well, don't they? And then oh, like, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Or no. you're like, oh, this is my dating buddy. There's so many words <laughs> and all the grey areas in between. Yeah. But so you are the partner slash long-term boyfriend of... Katya. Of the Russian. The Russian Katya Godman, which She's is the family. She's a bit crazy, yeah. Yes, as you start to discover, there's all little clues have been dropped every episode of what's happening between us, and then you discover... Because you're really likeable in the hospital, because you're there and yeah. you're trying to call her. And yes. Am I allowed to say that bit? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah, and it's quite hard to talk about because I can't... There's so many spoilers and, and I have yeah. to be careful where we're at, but this is good. And she's nowhere. But you're like cool. Mm. No, well, maybe not in, in. You can maybe see the inside, but like, if your girlfriend was out partying all night, couldn't reach her. I don't know, alarm bells as, 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 Yeah, yeah, but I can't. Again, there's a spoiler which I yeah, can't go I into. Got, yeah. But he's one of the few fire. nice characters. Yeah. In, the mafia, in the mafia, in the whole, really nice. well, in the series, is like I think yeah. you meet about 150, 160 characters. Oh wow! Throughout whoa. the series, and he's kind of one of the handful of one nice of the nice people. ones. Good yeah. on yeah. yeah. And how did that come about? Was it just like a, an audition? Did you know someone? It was an audition for. It was very secretive. There was no script to hand, and it was. Oh, one of those. Where yeah, like yeah. Just get a the blindfolded sides. audition. Yeah. Like what is that? Okay. Yeah. This is kind of roughly the world. This is what we are doing, and your character is called Femi, and a little description about him, and take it away. Okay. We, yeah. So we. I did a, I had a scenes or sides, as they say, to just learn about four pages of them, and just kind of you contribute what you think the character's about but there was no yeah there was not a lot of reference to go by because there was no script there was a script but it was too secretive yeah yeah yeah. makes sense now what was it like because you were just thrown in there with like james norton who plays the lead he's a hottie well he's a hottie but he's also going to be potentially the new james bond so (laughs) you can't say oh he is oh my god no no i can't can't. okay the secrets uh, the mystery shall shall remain no the lovely james he's fantastic he's really good he's been attached to it from the beginning Mm. and which was nice so then they at least had a face to then cast around yeah family especially was one of the earliest ones they wanted to do and faye i think was cast pretty early i was cast pretty early so we set up the family and then 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 they sprawled out with the rest was kind of filming and casting as they went along for like the day players as they say well there was a lot of buzz about mcmafia especially online Mm. and as well especially for your storyline because it is a russian mafia powerhouse and you are the boyfriend of the daughter but there is tension between the parents and you because you're black she's russian and they've got quite like institutional racism in there and you're a 21st century couple so which is great was it exciting 
exciting to play that kind of yeah that was one of the biggest draws and then when I did got the part and then got the script I was like wow this is very subtle in terms of how Hussein Amini the amazing writer and the showrunner mm. he's the guy who wrote Drive if you remember the film oh, Drive yeah, so, yeah. so this is kind of his first TV because the okay. whole idea I mean it's not t I mean, the whole series is like an eight hour film mm -hmm. when you do it is it's, it, it's real just, filmic yeah it keeps going yeah it's shot yeah beautiful so Hussein we were talking about the character and why and it was so nice to have it was called Femi it's not just another character where you've just slotted in oh we just need a black guy to put in there yeah. it's like no 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 it's a completely political nod to yeah. what's happening now to have that generation with like you've just described yeah, which you know Russia's no especially Russia they're known to be let's call it hostile mm -hmm. with their views on <laughs> yeah. any race but yeah so to have that not heavily commented on but yet visually you can't help but see I mean they're all it's, Aryan yeah, <laughs> it's literally well. white men for an hour just all white men the whole yeah. series yeah mm. and then there's you <laughs> Absolutely, we, it's, it's daunted, but there's you know all the plus side to it as well. You do stick out, but you really stick out as the actor and then the character the and the series. Oh yeah, 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 very positive. You know. I think it's super relevant. I'm just like I'm all about that right now. Um, Having recently entered into an interracial relationship, I'm sort of like navigating through this personally. Yeah, of and course. I've kind of switched on to it now, and I'm, yeah. So yeah, I really like that the BBC were pushing in there like prime time TV yes, putting those storylines forward yeah. and addressing them because I personally felt like oh it's like 21st century now everyone's everyone can date everyone it's free love and you can be gay you can be whatever yeah. but actually yeah. there is so many people who are older or from other cultures or from other countries and it's still like super Ooh. New. Yeah. Oh, just look at um, the Meghan and Harry thing. It's still an issue. It's always a way of trying to make it easier to understand. Oh, it's because, you know, Prince Harry. Oh, it's because, no, 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 she's already, she's beautiful. He yep. found her. It's not, <laughs> it's not a favour. I mean, great. she's achieved to... so many things. Yeah. Maybe even on par with Prince Harry or Absolutely. Prince I would say so. And then so. having to sacrifice all that. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, acting and you know, no offence to, like, Prince Harry, but he was born into that privilege where she, like, Earned that privilege. Oh, yeah. Like she became yeah, a public figure out of her own talent. In one of the yeah. hardest industries. Yeah. yeah. So yes. she kind of like worked up to that level. He was kind of just given that. Like he didn't choose to be famous. Yeah. He is that. Yeah. He just is famous. Imagine being born famous. Like, <laughs> wow. Just, yeah. Absolutely. Pressure. Back row and chill with no clock and Johanna James on Fubar Radio.